0: this morning, all right. Isaiah 53 Isaiah 53 verse 1 Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness and when we shall see him there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. If you know your Bible at all, obviously you know this passage. It is referring to our Lord Jesus Christ prophetically, and he was despised and rejected Amen. Now on a funny note, I think I've told this here before, when I was at Bob Jones, the boys in the dormitories would say, what do the girls at Bob Jones have in common with Jesus? And we would answer, he, they're despised and rejected of men. <laughs> and the girls would answer back. Did you hear about the man eating lion that got loose on campus? He died of starvation. You know, so we're not men. So there's a lot of truth to that. But nevertheless, I gotta admit one thing. Why is it that men reject the Lord Jesus Christ? Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll come down now and bear witness to the truth of your word, Lord. And I pray, Your Lord, that we would see the utter foolishness biblically and in our hearts and emotionally and logically and sociologically and rationally and from every single possible way of looking at it to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. I want to just say this morning that the foolishness of rejecting Christ demands investigation. If you're stupid enough to reject the Lord Jesus Christ, somebody at least needs to ask, why? Yeah. What Amen. are you thinking? And that's what we'll talk about. Now, the main character of the Bible, without a doubt, is the Lord Jesus Christ. The doctrine of Christ is truly staggering. Amen. He is God the Son, coexisting eternally with God the Father. You know anybody else like that? <laughs> he possesses all the attributes of God. What's the number one attribute of God that rules over all others? Holiness. He will do not one little thing wrong. Holiness. Omnipotence. All power. What if you had a God that had all power but did not have holiness? Can you see where that would be a problem? He could do anything he wanted and it didn't matter if he's right or not. Uh Uh-oh. You know why here in the United States of America... In the early days, many of the state constitutions said, it has to be a Christian in positions of power and authority. You say, because they didn't believe in religious freedom. No. No, they believe in religious freedom, many of them. And they certainly did a little bit later after the Virginia Baptist influenced them. Why was it? Here's why. You don't want somebody in a position of power that thinks they don't have to answer to a higher authority. Because then they can do anything they want And they think they're God. They think they're the power. Be sure, whoever is the authority in your life, that they have an authority higher than them. Or else anything goes. And that's the wrong way to be. So Jesus has the attributes of God. Number one, holiness. Number two, omnipotence. Number three, omniscience. He knows everything. Number four, omnipresence. He's everywhere. Whither can I flee from my spirit? Jonah, we heard the kids got the lesson on Jonah this morning in Sunday school. He found out you can't hide from God. There's some men and women and boys and girls that all need to learn you can't hide from God. Some of that stuff you're doing that you're not letting teacher see or preacher see or mom or daddy see or boyfriend or girlfriend see or whoever it is you're trying to hide it from, he's seeing all of it. Amen. The right answer, as we've said before, if somebody cusses or does something sinful in front of you and realizes you're a Christian, says, "Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know you were standing there." The right answer is always, "Don't worry about me. Worry about that one that always is." Yes, right. Holiness, omnipotence, omniscience, omnipresence, immutability—in other words, He doesn't change. Mercy, boy. If He is holy and all-powerful and all-knowing and everywhere present and isn't going to change from that I'm glad one of his attributes even if it's a little bit lesser attribute is mercy Yes, that's yes. where I got in grace yes, yep. and then one that surpasses both of those two loving kindness yes. Amen. mercy and grace are good but loving kindness mm-hmm. I mean, Well, you don't exactly have to look that one up in a dictionary do you that's the kindness you do to somebody just because you love them. He has all those attributes. He is the creator and sustainer of our vast universe. This universe that science, scientists really can't even comprehend. He created the whole thing and sustains it and keeps it going. By him all things consist. The Bible says. He's the God of the Old Testament Jews so he's the Lawgiver." Jesus Believes in a set of rules for you to live by. Yes. But he's also the miracle worker. He's the perfect man <coughs> and therefore the only one that can be the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. If any other man went and died, the only thing he can do is die for his own sins because he's God. Jesus didn't have any. Oh, there's something wrong when somebody says, you can't find anybody you can trust these days, you can't find any good men anymore. And the Lord Jesus Christ has been available that whole time and they have no interest in Him. They don't read His Word every day and hear from Him. They don't go to Him in prayer every day and He's available the whole time. That shows me they're not interested in finding a perfect person. That's correct. Because it's common knowledge, especially in the Bible Belt South, that Jesus is available. We've all preached millions of times, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden and I'll give you rest. We've all preached many times, him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You know he's available. There are some third world countries that haven't heard and my heart goes out to them and let's support missionaries and get them over there. But here in America, you know. And you just choose not to go to him. Why would that be? He's the judge of all with power to kill and cast into hell. Jesus himself said, fear not them to kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. But I will forewarn you whom you shall fear. Fear him which after he hath killed hath power to cast into hell. Yea I say unto you fear him. Those are Jesus' words not mine. So why would anyone who thinks that this set of doctrines about the Lord Jesus might be true why would they reject Christ? Even more puzzling is this question, why would people brought up in religion who are convinced of these doctrines reject Christ? I have only two points today. First of all, let's look at some excuses that you can't use. And then we'll look at why men do reject the Lord Jesus. Alright, first of all, some excuses that you can't use. Whatever your reasons for rejecting Christ, you can't say honestly that it is for any of these following reasons. Number one, it can't be because of his faults. You know, there are some people that probably could help you and benefit you in some ways. But they are just so crooked and sleazy that you know they can't be trusted. And so you don't fool with them. Even though they could benefit you somewhat in some ways. You can't say that about Jesus, though. He remains sinless in spite of Satan's direct temptation. Amen, that's good. Now listen, most of us... We don't even need a visit from the devil to sin, do we? No. Our flesh is fine. Amen. Our flesh does the job just great. You know why some of us are overweight? Because our flesh tells us to eat when we don't yes. need it. Amen. Our flesh tells us to eat stuff that we know is bad for us. Yes. And we just do it anyway. No devil involved. Just this stupid body doesn't know any better than to do that which is harmful to it. Right. And I'm speaking of all of us, am I not? You know why some of us get hooked on some stuff and addicted to some stuff? Because knowing that it's no good for us, we just go ahead and try it anyway. And then get liking it and get addicted to it. It doesn't take any devil for that. We're just that stupid and wicked on our own. And every single one of us have it. We might have it in different categories. Mm -hmm. Before we get all proud against somebody that doesn't drink liquor or doesn't do drugs... Uh, some of us are as hooked up on caffeine like a drug as some others. <laughs> some of us couldn't put up sugar for one whole day. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Amen. And you know what? Diabetes is killing a lot of people too. Yeah, and that's true. true. Yeah. I don't misunderstand. I'm not being hard on you. I got all these weaknesses in all these areas I'm talking about. I'm just trying to be real with you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to be honest. Yeah. We got problems here. Jesus never gave in to the flesh one time. In spite of the world all around him, he never gave in to peer pressure one time. You remember when you were a teenager? Mm -hmm. Didn't you want to do what the others wanted you to do? Mm -hmm. You say, teenager, uh, yeah, let me expand that. Don't you feel stupid looking different than everybody else no matter what age you are? The truth is, we all have a problem with this world. Why is it that we can know this world's beats and this world's messages and its music is bad, and yet we have trouble with it again when we had swore off of it before? I know why. Flesh just likes it, or the people around us told us to like that kind of stuff. That's what's on social media, that's what's here, that's what's there, that's what's popular. How, will this world lead you got uh, correctly? No. Is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? The hymn says, <laughs> "Of course not." If the world likes it, it's going directly opposed to the Lord Jesus That's Christ. And, des- and despite the fact that I give into these things, you give into these things. About everybody we know gives into these things. Some, the Lord Jesus didn't even one time. Yeah, maybe. Asher gave a testimony about how getting in a place to. Make you appreciate the Lord's music, makes you see the problems with the world's music filling your heart. Over at a great church like Cornerstone. One time I was on a Baptist history tour over there at Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church. It's the church that the remnants from the Shubel Stearns came over here to Tennessee after they got run out of North Carolina. And if you want to go see the great, 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 great grandchildren, of Shubal Stern's Church, it's still over there at Buffalo Ridge Baptist Church up there in East Tennessee. And there's still a King James Bible-believing independent Baptist church to this day. Amen. How many churches do you know lasted that long? Yeah. But be that as it may, uh, people were getting up and giving little words of testimony while we were there during that Baptist history tour and one fellow got up and said, I have been to this church before but I didn't know all the significance of it. And I was here for a great meeting and on the way up here I was listening to a bunch of the world's music as a bunch of beer drinking, sad, heartbroken country music on his way up there. And they preached against that stuff and staying close to the world and all that stuff. And he said on my way back home from the revival here, guess what I was doing? Throwing CDs out the window as I drove. <laughs> Amen. There is something about getting in the presence of the Lord that all of a sudden makes a bunch of stuff that looked beautiful to you before look mighty dim. Or as we sing in the song sometimes, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. You love this world, you love your flesh, I can tell you what's going on. You ain't spending much time looking in the face of Jesus. Amen. Amen. You spend a lot of time looking in the face of Jesus, all of a sudden He dominates your thoughts. You remember when you had a sweetheart when you were a young person? You looked in their face a few times. What was on your mind the rest of that day? Well, the yeah. face of your beloved. Yeah. In the Song of Solomon, what's on their minds? The face of their beloved. Somebody that has received the Lord Jesus Christ and felt his loving kindness. What's on their mind? The face of Jesus Christ. Amen. <clears throat> Jesus never gave into the flesh, he never gave into the world so the devil showed up and the devil knew scripture you know how you know you're dealing with the devil when he doesn't mind taking the world and the flesh and mixing a little god with it mm-hmm. to talk you into sin and he'd even quote some scripture but he'd leave a little bit out change it just enough and guess what the lord did answered him back with scripture you what you do when the devil starts tempting you? Answer him back with Scripture. There is no answer to Scripture. The devil himself, ten times smarter than anybody any of us will ever face, just had to turn and walk away when Jesus answered him with Scripture. Amen. Why do men reject Christ? Well, it can't be because of his faults. Because he didn't give in to the flesh, he didn't give in to the world, and he didn't even give in to Satan himself quoting Scripture. Number two, it can't be because his faults in that he remained sinless in spite of the microscope of the leaders. I mean, the leaders were looking at Jesus trying to find anything they could on him. If there would have been something to be found, don't you know they would have found it? Oh, yes. Christ? John eighteen thirty eight. Pilate saith unto him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and saith unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Well, thank you for that word of testimony, Pilate. John nineteen four. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. John nineteen six. A third time when the chief priests therefore and officers saw him, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Three times Pilate said it. The thief on the cross said it because it was common knowledge he hadn't done anything but good. Amen. And them doing their best to find something. Not only that, he remained sinless in spite of constant misunderstanding, misrepresentation, and mistreatment. Now, sometimes we get hardened in our hearts because we really were innocent in one little point and somebody misunderstood it and falsely accused us, and, oh, we get mad. And I can kind of understand that. But the Lord Jesus Christ was innocent in every single point, still was lied about, still was misunderstood and misrepresented, and he still stayed straight. That's better than a normal man. Amen. Yes, amen. Hebrews four fifteen. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So it can't be because of his faults. He didn't have any. Second, it can't be because of his meanness. Some of us are right. We can prove a point with a logical argument. We can give you a verse that proves we're right. But we don't have a very good spirit about it. We're mean about it. Yes. We're self-righteous about it. And I can understand why people get turned off by that. Yeah. Even though the person is right, who wants to be around that? Yeah. But Jesus, look at Isaiah 53, our text, down verse 4. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. He didn't say, he said, well, you sorry thing, it served you right. You deserve everything you're getting. You know what he did? He carried your griefs and your sorrows with him. Even though him being God, knowing all things, he knew you did deserve it. But he didn't exactly rub it in. He felt for you. Wow. Hey Christian, some of us do a better job on that, can't we? No one was more moved at the sickness and the sadness and the sin of human condition. Here was J. Iris' daughter Jesus healed her. Here was the widow of Nain's son. Jesus healed her. Here is Lazarus, four days in the grave. His body should have already started to rot. Jesus healed him. Here's a woman caught in adultery in the very act. And the law clearly said she was to be stoned. Jesus said, all right. First of one of you without sin, cast the first stone. And when they all left, he said... Or your condemners she said who, who condemns you and she said no man lord he said neither god condemn you go and sin no more he didn't deny that she had sinned but he said go and sin no more she was wrong yeah. you know what he did he still wasn't mean about it he had mercy he didn't even oh man this is tough defend himself I'm going to keep a hand in Isaiah here, but I'm going to turn over to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Christian, get ready to get under conviction here. For even hereunto were ye called. That's where you patiently take your punishment and your uh, persecutions you go under. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who, when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know why Jesus was able to not even try to defend himself? Because he knew the Lord was going to take care of it. Every time you try to get in there and defend and explain why you're right, you know what you're basically saying? I don't think the Lord can handle this, so let me explain it. He'll explain it better than you ever will. Uh, Those of you that know me know that what I'm preaching this morning are not Brother Bob's strengths. (laughs) I want to defend. I want to explain. God will take care. I'm not saying there never ever is a chance to explain. Sometimes that's a good op- opportunity to witness and if you're doing it for that purpose, that's wonderful. But when you're doing it to defend yourself, yeah. not so much. <laughs> Let God fight your battles. Let the Lord be, be the one that makes things come right. That's what the Lord Jesus did. You say, well, wait a minute, I've read and studied my Gospels. Uh, I know Jesus did get harsh. <laughs> yeah? But his harshness was reserved for those who took advantage and knew better. Wasn't it? Yeah. Remember the cleansings of the temple where people went in there and said, Hey, I can make make some money on this. A bunch of people got to come here to deal with their sins. And I mean, Jesus went in there and absolutely tore up Jack. (laughs) I mean, he literally turned the tables over. And there went the money and there went the merchandise. I mean, he and then took a made a scourge and whooped those guys. He got harsh with some people. The rebuking of the Pharisees, saying they were making people twofold a child of hell more than themselves. You say, but I remember the case of a poor woman whose daughter was possessed of a devil. And Jesus talked pretty rough to her and even called her a dog. You remember the story? Oh yes. But you know what she didn't do? She didn't fight back. She said, "Lord Jesus, if I am your dog, that means it's your job to feed me, because the dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the table." And Jesus marveled, "That's right. If you can find somebody that will take their place as a sinner under the authority of God, you just found somebody that's going to get pretty much whatever they want from God." And when you find somebody with a proud heart fighting back, I'm no dog. You'll not put me in that place. You're finding somebody that will not get their request answered from God. Oh, the way up is the way down. He that humbleth himself shall be exalted. And you know what happened? That woman's daughter was healed from that very hour. What about the ones that cocked an attitude with the Lord and said, you'll not talk to me that way. You did get it. Are you willing to humble yourself? Not to man, but to God. Humble yourselves under the hand of God, and he will lift you up. And so it can't be because of faults. It can't be because of meanness. In the few places where he did get harsh, it was people that was hurting other people or somebody he was about to give a life-changing blessing to. So it can't be because of meanness. I'll tell you something else. It can't be because of weakness. Everybody knew that Jesus did miracles. Everybody knew Jesus could do it. He is able. He is able. I know He is able. I know my Lord is able to carry me through. He changed the water to wine. You know the stories. He healed the sick. He opened the eyes of the blind. He raised the dead. He did all these wonderful things. He wasn't too weak. He saved a dying thief in his last moments. We've referred to that dying thief and what a blessing it is to talk about him. Goodness gracious, are we going to go over today? That's okay. I don't get to preach tonight anyway. <laughs> but even as he was dying and his life blood draining out, he looked over and got a guy up to paradise right then. Amen. Don't you know me and you, even if we did have some of that power, would have said, well not right now buddy, i got plenty going myself. <laughs> He was able to save him then. The same crowd that would have made him a king by force and later received him as the king of Israel cried, We have no king but Caesar and crucify him. They knew he was a weak. They knew he could feed them all. They knew he was the coming king with all the power. And they still turned on him. So now, let's get to the second point. <laughs> the reasons that men do reject him. Let's get right down to it. Number one, because he claims to be God. All right, now if there's one thing human beings can't stand, it's God. Because he is an authority over them. They might by fear serve him, but not because they want to. The way you know the difference between biblical Christianity and all other world religions are, all other world religions are fear and fear only. Now don't misunderstand, the Bible teaches fear of God. I'm not throwing out fear of God. I'm just saying there's more to it than that when you're dealing with the true God. There's some fear because he's all-powerful, but there's also knowing that he loves you and has yes. your best yes. interests. Amen. Not? He claims to be God. John chapter 10, verse 30. Here's Jesus speaking. I and my father are one. Then the Jews took up stones again to stone him. Jesus answered them, Many good works have I showed you from my father. For which of those works do ye stone me? The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we stone thee not, but for blasphemy, and because that thou, being a man, makest thyself God. They knew what he was claiming. <laughs> Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Is it not written in your law, I said ye are gods? If he called them gods, unto whom the word of God came, and the scripture cannot be broken, say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, Thou blasphemest because I said I am the Son of God. Jesus claimed to be God. Let me tell you what that does. It offends the pride of man. Man wants to feel like he can be the one in charge. That's true. Tell you something else. It offends the envy of man. Oh how you can stir people up with envy. You know why people reject Jesus Christ? He claims to be God. All right, number two, Jesus is unattractive to the world. Mm -hmm. Now, this was always true. It is true from ancient times, but it's more true now than ever before. People want somebody that looks the part. When the television came out, politics changed. You had to look good to make it in politics then the movie theaters, then the computer screens, then all the pixels. Nowadays, man, everything is pictures. And of course, they're faked. Could not have they faked. <laughs> Bless the hearts of all the people that see people on their computer pictures and then have to meet them in real life. Bless their heart. <laughs> Why not just be real? Yeah. Why not just be honest? But nevertheless, that's not allowed. Verse 2 for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of a dry ground, can you think of anything prettier than a root coming up out of a dry ground Uh, it's just kind of an ugly thing it's not a flower, it's just a root coming up out of dirt, dry dirt ugly, he hath no form nor comeliness, doesn't say he wasn't the best looking, it says he doesn't have anything that looks good No form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire. Number one, he claims to be God. Number two, he is unattractive to the world. He is not physically pretty. And he is not popular. You say, oh yeah, people talk about Jesus all the time. Not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible that expects things of you, the Jesus of the Bible that teaches with authority. No, that's not popular. That's not cool. Number one, they reject him because he claims to be God. Number two, because he's not attracted to this world. Number three, they reject him because of the fear of man. Proverbs twenty nine twenty five says this. The fear of man bringeth a snare. But whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. Once the world has decided they don't want the Jesus of the Bible, if you dare to receive him, they'll all hate you. I didn't say the Bible-believing Baptist. Nobody rails on the Bible-believing Baptist more than Brother Bob does. But let me tell you about the Bible-believing Baptist. They do receive Jesus. I'll give them that much. That's about the only thing I'll give them. But they do that much. You know who doesn't receive him? The world. Uh Uh-oh. If ye were of the world, the world would love his own. But because ye are not of the world, and I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. That is his teaching. Look at John chapter 12. A bunch of people did believe on Jesus, but boy, they couldn't publicly receive him. What held them back? We have an exact answer to that. John chapter 12, verse 42. Nevertheless, Among the chief rulers also many believed on him. But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. That's not unique to synagogues. Whatever group you're in, if receiving Jesus makes you look down in their eyes, a lot of people will not have anything to do with the Lord. It may cost you in future advancements. You want to take money or take the Lord? Or maybe this is a little deeper. Do you want to trust money or trust the Lord? Oh, but don't you know there's a many a rich person that got a bunch of money and realized it didn't bring what they had hoped it would bring? While some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows, the Bible says. It may cost you in future advancement. It may cost you in persecution. Look at John chapter 9. John chapter 9, or I will read it to you. John chapter 9, verse 18. But the Jews did not believe concerning him that he had been blind and received his sight until they called the parents of him that had received his sight. Jesus had just healed a blind man. And nobody believed it, so they had to call the parents to say, Wait a minute, did he really do this? Is this a true story he's claiming? Verse 19 And they asked him, saying, Is this your son who ye say was born blind? How then doth he now see? His parents answered them and said, We know that this is our son, and that he was born blind. But by what means he now seeth, we know not. Or who hath opened his eyes, we know not. He is of age. Ask him. He shall speak for himself. Now, do you really believe that guy hadn't even told his mom and daddy how he got his sight back all of a sudden? (laughs) If I had been born blind and all of a sudden had my sight, my first phone call would be to mom and daddy telling them what happened. (laughs) Verse 22 gives us the answer. These words spake his parents because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had agreed already that if any man did confess that he was Christ, he should be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, said his parents, he is of age, ask him. Why do people not receive Jesus? Number one, he claims to be God. Number two, he's unattractive to this world. Number three, the fear of man. If you receive Jesus, it will cost you. There will be some people that will not care for it, some of which sit in church pews. Oh, yes. And they will persecute you, and it will cost you some advancement. I have been offered positions before that I had to turn down because something... The Lord had me do and wouldn't let me do it. And it would have been a significant increase. You know what I did that for? The Lord. Alright, number four. The cause of the love of sinful pleasure. Now you don't have to give up and give up your sins in the sense of sinless perfection in order to receive the Lord Jesus. If you did, there wouldn't be a one of us saved. But people know that the Lord Jesus is holy. And they know that they're sinful. And as soon as they see somebody holy, they automatically go the other way. It's not that Jesus refuses to save them. It's that they refuse to go to him. Sin separates you from the yes. Lord Jesus. Yes. That's just the facts of it. The reason many people don't go to the Lord Jesus is they just don't want to give up their sin. You say, well, they don't have to. Amen. Amen. You're right. But that still doesn't change the fact that they're not going to get anywhere close to somebody holy. If you have to go to somebody holy to get saved, they ain't interested. Even if they can keep their sins. They're just not comfortable around somebody holy. And Jesus is holy. I'm not saying you have to give up your sins. There's no way in this world that you get to glory you're ever going to give up your sins. But some people won't save so bad they go to somebody that makes them uncomfortable to get it. And some people hate that discomfort so bad they refuse to even go to me. That's true. That's just the truth of the matter. I don't care if it's sins or just weights. Sometimes we have weights. You know what we're referring to when we say weights? You're running the race of life that the Lord has you on. And with a bunch of weights on you, you can't run the race like the Lord would have you do it. They're not a sin in and them of themselves, but they sure hold you back. Yes. Sometimes it's due to unwillingness to fight and suffer. Uh, in order to give up your sinful pleasure, you're going to have to conquer this flesh, and you don't want to do it. Amen. In order to give up your sinful pleasure, you're going to have to explain it to some friends. You just don't want to do it. And so you say, I'm just going to forget even thinking about going to Jesus because I don't want to deal with the aftermath of it. Again, you don't have to do those things to get saved. I'm not saying you do. But some people won't even think about it five more seconds at the very thought that it might happen at some time. They're unwilling to fight or suffer because... Not enjoying the pleasures of sin often includes suffering affliction. The Bible says about Moses in the Old Testament choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. And they forget that in spite of the struggle, it's a joyous and peaceful life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. I can't imagine how many millions of people, and it may be billions, that have said, you know what? If I follow the Lord, if I follow the Bible, there's going to be discomfort. It's going to be unpleasant at times. Forget it. I'm going to go follow the world, the flesh, and the devil, only to find the way of the transgressor is hard. And it's just as hard that way. Yes, it is. It's definitely harder once you hit hell if you've never received the Lord. But it's just as hard even here on earth. Yes, it is. There's a reason everybody's on dope of some sort. There's a reason everybody's drunk. There's a reason everybody's seeing shrinks. They ain't happy. Amen. There's troubles this way. There's troubles that way. This life is a veil of tears. But walking with Jesus is the most peaceful way you'll ever find. And it definitely pays off in the end. What keeps people from receiving the Lord Jesus? What keeps people from accepting Jesus? The love of sinful pleasure. Forgetting that in in spite of the struggle it's a joyous and peaceful life. And being ignorant of the fact that the Christian life gets continually better. If you're living in the pleasures of sin, you're at the highest point you will ever be. And from then on, your life goes downhill. That's true. If you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are at the lowest you will ever be. From then on, It just gets better and better and better. Proverbs 4.18 The path of the just is as the shining light that shineth more and more unto the perfect day. They say, wait a minute, I want to do what brings me pleasure. I want to do what I like. Well, that's not what you're rightfully supposed to do when you get saved. I've heard people not get saved before because they said I know I can't live it and I don't want to be dishonest and claim something that I can't live. And I do appreciate their honesty. That is a true statement. There is not one of us that can live it. I'll give you that much of it. But it's real stupid to go to hell for that isn't it? Yeah. And number two, you'd be surprised what you can live with the help of the Lord. Sometimes though that's just an excuse to keep doing what you feel like doing. 2 Corinthians five fourteen. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. That verse bears witness to that truth. Should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. When you pick the music you're going to listen today, you pick all the music that pleases Jesus or the music that pleases you. When you decide what you're going to wear today, do you wear what you want to wear or what Jesus wants you to wear? When you use your language today, do you use the language that pleases him or you? Hey, Baptists, when you eat and drink today, do you eat and drink what pleases Jesus or what pleases you? Oh, yeah. And we can go right on down the list. You spend your time on what pleases Jesus or pleases you. You spend your money on what pleases Jesus or pleases you. We should not henceforth live unto ourselves once He saves us. A lot of people say, forget that. Mm -hmm. I don't want anything to do with that. Again, you don't have to do that to be saved. But a lot of people know that is part of the Christian life and they want to do what they want to do. Give it a few months or a few years or at the most, a decade or two, and you'll have to admit it, I should have just followed the Lord. That's one thing about the biblical Christian religion is this. We have a 100% convert rate. Everybody comes around to our way of thinking. Now, some of them, unfortunately, it ain't full judgment day. But every single person is convinced that we're right eventually. That's true. Alright, and the last reason that some people reject the Lord Jesus is because of hard doctrine. Hard doctrine. I've been reading several passages from John, so let's get one more here. John chapter 6. John chapter 6. Now, for some reason, the Lord occasionally just goes ahead and gets a little rough with you. Like when he called the Syrophoenician woman a dog, and that doesn't seem right to us, you know. And we think, why would he do that? That doesn't seem in keeping with him. And this is another time, and uh, he, he talks real rough and real gross, and it's not pleasant, and he keeps doing it anyway, and if it runs him off, I just have to run him off. Now, the Lord doesn't do that all the time, but he does it occasionally. Maybe the reason is that he's testing us to see if we'll stick with him even when, even when it gets difficult, but, but he sure does. Look at John chapter 6, verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. You know, that's, that's not the most pleasant way to say receive the Lord as your Savior. Eat his skin and drink his blood. Gross. And then he says it over and over again. Look at verse um, 56. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth this bread shall live forever. Well, they all bragged about how the Lord gave them manna from heaven and kept them alive, and Jesus just kind of insulted that said, yeah, they ate that man, and guess what? They're all dead. I mean, boy, he's on a roll right here. He's not exactly putting it in the most pleasant way. Verse 59. These things said he in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they had heard this, said, This is an hard saying. Who can hear it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples murmured at it, he said unto them, "Did this offend you? What if ye shall see the Son of Man ascend up where he was before? It is the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh, prophet, is nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And And he said, therefore said I unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given him of my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. All right, now here's the truth. There are going to be some doctrines in this Bible that the Lord teaches and makes no apology for that are not going to fit with the beliefs of our day. Who are you going to go with then? Are you going to go with this old book or are you going to go with the thoughts of your day? Amen. Let me give you a hint. One of them will not change. Thousands of years from now, it's still going to be saying the same thing. Amen. The other one, five years from now, will be completely different. That's correct. (laughs) Which one should we stick to? It's hard doctrine right now. This talk talk about eating his flesh and drinking his blood and saying, "Yeah, they ate that man and they're dead now." I'm I'm fixing to give you one that you can't die if you'll eat it. That was kind of a harsh way to put it, and it went against the teaching that was popular in their little circle. Do you know what? 2,000 years later, the book hasn't changed. Sinfulness of man and eternal punishment, they're not very popular. God allowing punishments and trials, even in Christians' lives, that's not very popular. But you know what has not changed? The book. Do you know what has changed? Everything else that man teaches. Why do people reject Jesus? Number one, because he claims to be God. Number two, because he's unattractive to this world. Number three, because of the fear of man. Number four, because of the love of sinful pleasure. And number five, because of some hard doctrine that doesn't sit well with what they think. Just sit tight. Five years from now, you'll feel totally different. But the book won't change. Alright, we've looked at the depravity of man and his refusal to receive Jesus Christ as Savior. And I've directed my message mainly to lost people. But let me tell you something. There are plenty of Christians that received him as Savior and buddy, that's all he'll ever be to them. He's never going to be a close friend. He's sure not going to be their Lord. That's about all they receive him as. Now similar problems keep Christians sometimes from receiving him, although they've received him as Savior, from receiving him as their King. Remember, if Jesus is on the throne, you're on the cross. But if you're on the throne, at least as far as you're concerned, you're putting Jesus back on the cross. Who deserves to be there? That thief didn't have any problem with it. Pilate didn't have any problem with it. And if you're honest with yourself, you don't have any problem with it. Christians who love this world can't receive Christ as their Lord because he's so unattractive to the world are you going to follow? Christians who fear man do not sufficiently fear Christ and the same can be said for loving pleasure more than loving Christ and refusing to hear doctrine like the doctrine of our responsibility to tell the gospel to the lost. But if you're under the sound of my voice, whatever your reason for rejecting the Lord, if you've never received him at least as Savior, is going to see mighty flimsy in heaven. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this chance to read and study your word. Lord, I'm